Hey, friend. Easter, it's over. So what do we do now? Isn't it good news? Seeing the rich and redeemed. Seeing sin's filth washed clean. Seeing enslaved men free. We've been justified. Hey, friend. It's Thursday. Welcome back to the Love Your Bible podcast. Hey, I hope you had an incredible Holy Week. You had an awesome Easter Sunday wherever you worship the Lord, or maybe uh, you missed out. Hey, it's okay. There's grace. Uh, Hopefully today you're going to be encouraged, Uh, but I want to have this thought. Now that Easter's over, what do we do now? I mean, Easter's like the Super Bowl to Christians, right? Especially if you're in ministry. I'm a pastor, so it really does feel like the Super Bowl. Put a lot of emphasis on it. Really want it to be a big deal for those who come. And so, yeah, it really feels like we just kind of won the Super Bowl. So what do you do now? Like if you actually win the Super Bowl, everybody knows what you do. The next day you go to Disney World, right? You've seen the commercial. You've seen Tom Brady look into the camera. I'm going to Disney World. That's what, well, when you win the Super Bowl, you go to Disney World. What do you do after Easter Sunday, if you're a Christian, what what is our response? What do we do the week after Easter when it feels like, man, we just went through this big thing. What do we do now? What do we do after the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, what we're going to see today is you live the resurrection. So yeah, Easter is over, but guess what? We as believers get to live out the story of the resurrection. So I want to go to Romans chapter 6. We've been in Romans 3 for a while. Now let's go to Romans 6. And I want to uh, go through some verses quickly. There's a lot here, but I just want to hit the high points. So here's kind of the theological argument. Hey, because Jesus rose from the dead, you also should live a resurrected life. So verse 1, Paul says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? So Paul is acting like someone's objecting to grace. Hey, if grace is true, um, if it's all about Jesus and what he did and not what we do, then shouldn't we just do whatever we want because it's all about grace, right? And Paul says, um, no, that's the opposite of what should happen because if you get the story of grace, then you should understand that you've died to sin, therefore you shouldn't live in it anymore. In other words, salvation is a death to life thing. You're different, you're new, you should be living out a different life. So Paul's going to say you need to remember your baptism. So as we read these verses, if you're a baptized believer, I want you to think back to your actual baptism. Verse 3 says this, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So Paul says, hey, go back to your baptism. Do you remember what the point of that was? You were baptized into the very death of Christ. So if you think about a baptistry, okay, I'm a Baptist, so we believe in baptism by immersion. And one of the reasons is because of this verse, like baptism, it pictures a death and a resurrection. So when you plunge into the water, you are symbolizing you are going into a grave. You are being buried in a grave. The water is soil. You're going into death. You're buried 
But then when Christ rose on the third day, baptism represents you now have been raised with Christ. Just as God the Father raised Jesus, you are raised from the dead, united with Christ. So you die and you rise again. And the point, Paul says, is the reason we do this is so that we too might walk in the newness of life. So there's a we too coming out of baptism. What is the we too? That we too would do what Jesus did. That we would live like him. That we would walk like him. That we would act like him. We would talk like him. We would be more like him than we are like us because we've been through baptism. That baptism is that before and after event. Before Christ, you were in Adam. After Christ, you're now in Jesus. So you have a new life to walk out. So what do we do after Easter Sunday? Well, we walk in the newness of life because we believe there's been a resurrection. Therefore, our baptism wasn't an empty picture. It was a vivid picture of something real, that Christ died on the cross and he rose again, and that by faith, we also died with him on the cross and rose again on the third day. And that's what our baptism shows in a picture. Hey, we've died with Christ on the cross. We've been buried with Christ. But we rose again with Christ, and by rising with Jesus, guess what? We now get to walk in a new life. So what do you do after Easter? You walk in the newness of life. Not who you used to be, but who you are now and who you are becoming. And so you need to remember your union with Christ. You've actually been united with Christ by faith. Verse 5 says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his... Okay, so if you've been united with Christ on the cross, if you have believed in the death burial of Jesus, that he died for you, you had faith in that, you were united with him in death, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So if we've identified with Christ on the cross, we are also identifying with Christ in the resurrection that we have paid our sin debt on the cross in Jesus. And guess what? We've also walked out the empty tomb. So verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we were no so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So it says we know hey our old self that one that was after Adam full of sin, dead in sin, following the following the course of the world, dead in our trespasses. That old self has been crucified. And the reason is so our body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would stop being slaves to sin, but would be slaves to righteousness. So verse seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now that's a great verse. The one who has died has been for has been set free from sin. You see, we have a debt over our heads. We owe God death. And because of this debt, we are enslaved. We are slaves. We are captives. Um, We are following Satan. We are in his kingdom. And we can't get out because we owe death to God. That's the penalty over our head. We are inmates on death row. Well, just imagine if an inmate on death row actually went to the electric chair and got his judgment got his sentencing. He died and then they buried him. And then a few days later, that inmate 
got out of his grave and rose from the dead. What do you do with that inmate? We well, don't put him back in prison because he's paid his price. He has he's died under the law. Now he's a free man. Now he can go and do what he wants because he's paid his debt. That's what's happened to us on the cross of Christ. We owed God death. Because of that, we are inmates. We're locked up. We're slaves to our own sin. We can't get free. But through the cross of Christ, we paid our debt. Through the cross of Christ, we died under the wrath of God. We fully paid what we owed God, which is death, in Jesus. And guess what? We have now risen from the dead. So we're free. We're no longer slaves to sin. We have been set free. Verse 8 says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead... And never to die again, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. So what Paul is trying to get us to do is see what Jesus did for us, that Christ He died once for our sins, and his one-time death paid our penalty to God, but now he always, right now, lives to God. So he died once, but he lives with God forever, and we too, we die once with Christ, but we live with God forever. So what's the conclusion? We must consider ourselves what? dead to sin and alive to God. So after Easter, what do we do now? What do we do this week? We consider ourselves, we believe about ourselves this wonderful truth that if you have believed in the Lord Jesus, you've died to sin and you're now alive to God. So what's true about you is you're alive to God. You're a child of God. You're living in his kingdom. What is also true about you is you're dead to sin. So when you're prone to sin, when you feel temptation to sin, you've got to remember, okay, in my baptism, there was a picture that was being dramatized, and that picture is I've died and rose again by faith. And what that means is, theologically, that I've been united with Christ, that I died with him and rose again. So it's true about Jesus, true about me, that I'm living right now with God forever. Therefore, I'm going to live to God, not to my selfish desires or my selfish ways. So now, real practically, Paul kind of turns the theological bus, and now he's going to get very practical, and he says this in verse 12, let not sin, therefore... Reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Now, I love that verse, and I love the illustration that John Piper gives on this verse. I heard it years and years ago, but one thing about Piper, his illustrations, they stick with you. Like, he's one of my heroes, one of my favorite preachers, and one of the reasons because his vivid illustrations They're so sticky. So he says, in this verse, you have let not sin, therefore reign. Well, that word reign, and we're also going to get the word dominion in verse 14. Reign and dominion, that's king language. That's ruler language. So he's saying what Paul is trying to get us to see is, just imagine that in your heart, there is a throne, 
Now, can you imagine like a big throne, like this chair? It, it's gold, and there's a scepter that's that's laying in it. And so, someone deserves to be on the throne, and whoever is on the throne, that person rules. That person makes decrees. That person says what to do, and everyone must follow because that's what a king does. A king rules supremely, and everyone else follows along. So what Paul's saying is, on the throne of your heart, there are competing kings. And the competing kings are, first, sin. Sin wants to get on the throne of your heart and then rule your life. And it's going to try to roll it in destructive ways. But who belongs on the throne of your heart? Well, the real king, King Jesus, belongs on the throne of your heart. And by salvation, that is made possible for Jesus to rule and reign as the king of your heart and the king of your life. So what's Paul saying? Don't let sin be king in your heart. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin take that seat of rulership so that your whole body now obeys sinful desires. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. So it's that picture of sin is on the throat of your heart and all of your members, all of your body parts, all of your thoughts and dreams and desires, they're all bowing to sin in your heart so that you do things, you're used, your body is an instrument for unrighteousness. You're doing all sorts of things that are against the commands of God. But then he says, but... Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So he's saying, hey, stop letting sin get on the throne of your heart and then your body obeying your sinful desires and therefore sinning and being used as an instrument for unrighteousness, but instead... Make sure that you are presenting yourselves to God, that Jesus is the one on the throne of your heart, that you are seating him there, you are welcoming him there, and then you are presenting your whole body to him so that your members will be used as instruments, not for sin, but for righteousness. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. So this idea that sin won't have dominion over you. Sin is no longer your ruler. Why? Because you're not under law anymore, but you, now you're under grace. You've been given God's enabling power. You've been given God's unmerited favor. You have the grace of God. That's what you're living under and walking under. Therefore, because of grace, you now have a new relationship with God so that sin is not your master anymore, but Jesus is is. So don't you imagine practically, here we have this, this throne room in your heart. And so just ask the question, hey, Easter's over, what do you do next? Well, you live a resurrected life. How do you live a resurrected life? Well, you have to make sure that Jesus sits on his proper throne in your life. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it's walking with the Lord. It's coming to Jesus and telling him every single day, Jesus, just like you are today, 
you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my King. Today, I am yours. Today, I want you to rule and reign in me and through me. I want to be used as an instrument for your glory. And then when those sinful desires creep in, when you have thoughts that take you captive and take you away from the Lord Jesus, you have to capture those and remember your baptism, remember union with Christ, remember what all of that means. You have died and rose again, therefore you can live a resurrected life. And what do resurrected people do? They don't walk in slavery, they walk in freedom. And you remember that when sin gets on the throne of your heart, sin is a slave master that wants to lead you to death. You remember how painful that life was. You remember how unfulfilling that life was. And you push him off the throne through repentance. And by faith, you remember that Jesus is the true master of your life. And you continue once again to submit yourself to God, to say, I am a resurrected creature who's going to live in a resurrected kingdom. So therefore, today, I'm going to be used for righteousness, not for unrighteousness, for holiness, not for sin. So what do you do now that the resurrection's over? What do you do that we've already had Easter Sunday? Because for some of us, we've hit a high and then we're just going to kind of lull down and now we're going to go into summer and life's going to be normal. No, what Resurrection Sunday should remind you of is that if you have believed in the Lord Jesus, that you are living a resurrected life. So what does that mean? It means that this week you should consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. And that should change everything about your life. Yes, on Easter Sunday, we celebrated the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But did we really contemplate what that means for you and I? That also means that by faith, we have risen from the dead and we too now walk in the newness of life. So what do you do after Easter Sunday? We walk out that new life. Well, hey, friend, I hope you've enjoyed the Love Your Bible podcast, and I hope that this week you'll remember that after Easter Sunday, you live a resurrected life. Hey, I hope that this week, not only did you listen to this podcast, but also you read your Bible, and I hope that you love your Bible, because when you love your Bible, you will love God, serve people, and live a life that matters. 